is a call to all you educators out there. It's time to shift our schools. everybody to our first Shifting Our Schools podcast. I'm here with David Carpenter live from, well, you tell them where you're at, Dave. Hi, I'm here in Taipei, Taiwan after a delightful day out with my boys running around town. How are things for you, Jeff? I'm doing pretty good. I'm back from uh, Bangkok where I was doing some networking with some administrators here in the Asia region and uh, it's cold, man. You know, it was like 90 down in uh, Bangkok, and I, I get back here, and it's like 40 degrees, and it's just cold. <laughs> well, that's, that sounds not too delightful to be in that kind of weather. We're in the tropics here in Taiwan, and I look out the window, and the palm trees are blowing, and we're supposed to get a little cooler weather down below 20 degrees Celsius, but nothing compared to what you're experiencing. Yeah, yeah, so it's cold. So welcome, everybody. I see there's a couple people joining us. It looks Orlick is here. Julie Lindsay's in the chat room already uh, at the blog. And you can, uh, we're streaming this live via Ustream. And you can get, uh, go to our blog, podcast blog, where you can chat live and listen live as we stream our first show. And um, David, why don't you go ahead and just kind of talk about how we got this started? This was kind of your brainchild. Uh, of doing a podcast in Asia on Asia's time zone so that we're not waking up at 2 or 3 a.m. to join people in other parts of the world. So I'll let you kind of explain how we got this started and kind of, you know, where, where, what we're hoping to do. Yes, we, uh, we wanted to, to get connected here in the region with the different educational technologists and instructional technologists, library media specialists, just leaders in um, shifting our schools and I sent Jeff an email way back at, in the spring, I guess it was late spring, trying to get some folks together. Um, and then the Learning 2.0 conference came along as well, and that really solidified uh, the push to make, to make this happen. And Jeff is a, the doer that he is. He said, Dave, let's do a podcast and uh, target folks here in the region. And I said, that sounds great because, boy, that Learning 2.0 conference was so exciting and uh, let's celebrate as much as we can the efforts people are making in the region. So Jeff got us rolling after that. Yeah. And it's been good. I mean, you know, uh, it's been great because you started the Google Doc and we've kind of been going through and, and we've uh, decided to do our podcast around essential questions. And uh, David and I have been working on the Google Doc together and, and we've got enough essential questions to take us through to about when schools end in June. And so we'll be doing a show every other week. Uh, that's just what David and I felt we could we could handle without uh, burdening ourselves with everything else we're trying to do in the world. So uh, so that's what we'll be doing. Uh, this week's essential question is why shift? And because our podcast is called Shifting Our Schools, we thought that would be a great place to start is just talking about what does it mean to shift and why do we feel our schools need to shift? And uh, send us links 
at delicious slash SOS podcast. If you go to the blog at thinkingstick.com slash on deck, you'll see a place there where you can join our network and uh, send links to us. And uh, our hope is to feature some links on the podcast every week from around the blogosphere on things that are covering our essential questions. So that's kind of the way we're looking at doing things uh, on the podcast. And continuing on that with the format of the show, we're looking to bring in guests um, for for our bi-monthly podcast. Uh, I will probably be folks from this region, this part of the world, but there are also some some people we want to talk to back in the U.S. and uh, have them come on and share how they're making progress in, in shifting their, their schools. Um, and, and then we'll probably move into further discussion of whatever that EQ is or essential question of the, of the show. Um, and, Jeff, we were talking about doing some uh, – talking about like a blog post of the week. Yeah, and I think we'll, uh, you know, either you and I around the essential question will be finding some blog posts, and uh, hopefully our listeners start to build a listener base can send us links to blog posts uh, by putting us in their delicious network and sending us links to our delicious site, and we're just tagging everything with episode numbers. So this is episode one, and this is, uh, you know, why shift is our essential question. And uh, next episode, our essential question is going to be, uh, how does making connections affect learning? And that'll be on January 24th. Uh, We'll be doing this every other Thursday. We're a little late getting started because I was off Valaganging around in Bangkok. So we had to delay our first show for a while. And I appreciate Julie Lindsay, who I know Thursday, uh, looking for it and, uh, you know, was able to again join us. And hopefully in the future, We'll have Julie Lindsay on the show as a as a regular guest who can come in and, and help look at, you know, how do we shift schools and, and what does it mean to shift? And with that, you know, David, what for you, what does that mean? I mean, what are we looking for when we're talking about why why we need to shift our schools? Yeah, so it's been interesting this this year working at a new school and uh, being more of a teaching full time as opposed to an instructional technologist and all the different uh, skills and parts of that job and just walking in the classroom in a new school and looking at the curriculum and, and saying or really watching the the kids as I follow the curriculum and going is this getting them excited are they engaged and and when I come back and ask them questions about their learning um, are are they able to come back and share with me some real deep understanding and we get a little bit into Jay McTie there of of what is real learning and it's such a difficult abstract concept to get to uh, as opposed to saying having a child moving information kind of from from me to the child and then back to me uh, I, I really don't see that as as real learning and so when I think of um, making the shift I'll, I'll start us off with the term that the, of the conference that you and a, a quite a few people put together in Shanghai a little ways back Learning 2.0 is designating the shift from learning 1.0 and learning 2.0. And um, so much of what we um, follow in the blogosphere, and I see David Warlick is is listening. Uh, he's one of the big leaders on getting us to expand our, our, our learning and to build learning communities and to go beyond the uh, walls of our classroom. 
So as I was, I was sharing with you earlier, an example for me was at a school I worked at previously. The um, uh, grades three and four did a unit on the Middle East, and they, they made a big shift by realizing that the essential question of that unit was, why is there a conflict? And the teachers realized that there wasn't going to be a lot of understanding if they walked in and just gave a def- definition of conflict and then started to get into the history of the Middle East. What we worked together on was to come up with a way to get kids to really internalize what conflict was, personalize it to their lives, and then apply what they learned about dealing with conflict to new situations. So for the first week, they knew nothing about the Middle East, but they were divided into three tribes, and they came up with their own names and their own customs, because some of the underlying uh, understandings dealt with culture and geography. Each had a different geography uh, place, a geographical place. And uh, the teachers, on a daily basis, would take the simulation of them being in tribes and change what was happening. One group, all their borders were shut down, and the next day, another group... um, all their water supply was cut off, and then they had to work it out among their tribes. And so I really felt that was a real shift, and the kids would go home and they talk to their parents about it, come back and share what their parents thought. And as it moved along, the next part of that shift, and as Jeff pointed out, the shift is going to be different for every school. For that school, the next shift would be to totally break down the walls and then start to connect to kids around the world and potentially in this case move to talk to kids in the Middle East and have those conversations um, in those connections. So that's kind of my description of what shifting can look like at least in one school. Yeah, And it's interesting, you know, listen to you talk about that. I, I keep coming back to, and something I've been hitting a lot with uh, administrators lately is the revised Bloom's Taxonomy. Yes. And what you're talking about, you know, is having kids create new information. You know, mm-hmm. being able to assess and analyze and look at something and then like you said they had to go out and create something you know they had to create the new from something they learned and i think that's part of the shift and and part of that is handing control over to the kids and asking questions asking good essential questions about uh you know a topic or why things happened you know you know david i know that works in the chat i don't know if you can hear us i know he's having some problem with the with the audio feed but one of the things he uh, you know, has been working on recently is uh, what does school 2.0 look like? Yeah. You know, and how does that how does that get into? And and I was sitting looking at that diagram that he's been working on as I was listening to you go through you know that story and kind of where does that fit? Where you know David Warlick's looking at school 2.0. We're looking at you know network digital uh, an information environment that's network and digital. You know, a student's frame of reference with information. And where do you get that information and, and all of those things and having a worldly view. And one mm-hmm. thing I like about this podcast is I think we're going to get a – we're really going to nail that worldly view part. I mean we're hoping to bring in Kim Cofino and uh, just – uh, Justin Medved, Medved and uh, Dennis Harder from Bangkok. You know, you're in Taipei. I'm in Shanghai. We've got some other teachers that you and I can tap into. We've got Julie Lindsay in uh, Cutter, who I know is just waiting for us to invite her in to be here. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's going to be great. And that's what I hope. I hope that we can really start looking at that worldly view and we can kind of bring together, you know, what's happening out here in the international world. I mean, that's really our focus uh, for the podcast and really focusing on that. That, uh, that worldly view part and how do we in the national world 
continue to connect our schools. And I think that's yes. that's part of the shift is is this connected network that we're allowed to do. You know, you have a school in Taipei, I have a school in Shanghai, we have a school in you know where Julie is in Qatar, and and how do we, even though our schools are separated by distance, our kids can still learn from each other, and how do we make those connections? And I think those those connections is a lot of what school or learning 2.0 and the whole shift factor has to do with it it's, it's understanding this network connected world we now live in yes very much so uh moving and and, and i think one of the things is we bring uh folks in um to the podcast that we won't always have be sticking totally with what the current essential question is, we might have someone on next week uh, that says, well, let's go back. I want to share a little bit about what you guys talked about last week. So I think we're going to do our best to, to focus and keep the shows tight on target a little bit. But what is learning but going laterally? And uh, so who knows what direction we'll go on some of these topics. Right. You know, one of the things we wrote here in the show notes, David, that I was just looking at is how, especially in the international world, how we might have an advantage over being able to shift our schools a little faster than, yes. say, schools in the United States because we're not held to the same no-child-left-behind type of assessments that a lot of those schools are. And I think that really puts international schools in a, you know, in a very – God, I don't even know what, to use, what word to use – in a very unique situation that mm-hmm. we might be able – and my hope is is we'll be able to shift a little bit faster and become those uh, – an experiment, you know, a place to experiment with what shift looks like and work through that stuff and be able to feed that stuff because we're networked together, feed that stuff back into schools and back, you know, specifically to the United States where they are struggling with how you do some of this stuff. I mean one example for us is – you know, the whole uh, DOPA law that you can't have kids under the age of 13 put their name on the Internet and yes. how that, you know, is affecting uh, blogging and the use of wikis and the use of some of these network tools in the States. Well, that those same laws don't apply to us in the international world. And it allows us a little more freedom to really look at how can those tools affect learning on a deeper level. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Um the uh, it was interesting. I was I was just sharing with Jeff before the show. I was listening to a bit by bit podcast uh, about Mabry Online when following that school for a while, and just how certain schools, it, with the right leadership and and in a lot of ways courage. I was listening um, to their principal um, who was retired the courage he had to move and shift their school forward and, and all that it takes. And I'd be interesting to sit down and, and chat with him about how he dealt with the standards and benchmarks because I know schools are, uh, they can be very, very positive um, if they're written around the the concepts and the higher level, back to your Bloom's taxonomy, Jeff, the higher level thinking that we want kids to, to do. Um, that's pretty important, I think. Well, and I think, that's kind of where we're at in education. I mean, I've had a, an opportunity to talk to a lot of administrators later, a lot of administrators lately, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, kind of asking, you know, they're asking me, where are we? You know, what, what, what's the next step? And mm-hmm. I think a lot of it is, is starting to look at curriculum. You know, we, we have the tools in place. You know, almost every school's wired. Um, you know, almost every school now has wireless or has computers 
that you can put in the hands of the kids. And so then the next piece is, is how do you, how do you shift to that deeper understanding? And I think we really need to focus on, on the curriculum. And if we're going to move our schools along this line, we've got to be able to have access to our schools at a deeper level. You know, if, whether it's a shift in pedagogy or a shift in the curriculum, yeah, I think that's really where we have to go. And, and you know, I just came back from Bangkok where I, I had the opportunity to sit down with eight or nine head of schools. And all of our conversations came back to that. And when they were asking me, you know, what's the next step? And I said, look, the next step is when you're in your curriculum review cycle, you need somebody that understands what's happening with 21st century literacy skills sitting in on that curriculum review. We need to make sure that when we're, you know, creating our standards and benchmarks and revisiting them as part of our, as part of our standard cycle of reviewing curriculum, that we understand that there are new skills and you know a new way to learn needs to be embedded within that, and it, and oh, it, can't, it can't be something that we continue to say, "Here's our standards and benchmarks," and oh by the way, here's technology. You know, it's got to yes. be right in there. And I think once we get to that point, you know, once we get to a point where a teacher is handed standards and benchmarks, and the standards and benchmarks. Uh, you know, just incorporate a lot of these new 21st century literacy skills. It's, yeah, I think that's where the next level is. And I'm hoping that a lot of our schools are getting to that level and starting to understand that that's the level we're at. You know, we've got the technology in place. We've got kids that under, you know, that have basic skills. And most of our Mm -hmm. kids have better skills, computer skills than a lot of our teachers do. And we're past that part. And, the next piece is getting to this shift of how do we shift our curriculum? How do we shift learning? And you're only going to do that if you get to a deeper level within the school itself. Yes, and we and we have the the mechanism for it. Uh, as many of our schools in our region, Jay McTie's come through several years ago, and I suspect he's still coming through to different schools. And our um, our staffs and administrators have been taught that port the that portion of working on curriculum, the actual sitting down in the meetings and using the understanding by design system. And as Jay says, well, that's not the the whole shebang for having a systematic approach to curriculum. It's much bigger than that. And it's a whole year process and it's a constantly going back and sharpening the saw. And, and as you hit it on the head, one of the things that, and at my, I'll say this a lot at my previous school that I was really excited about is, uh, in these curriculum meetings for social studies and science is that they were reviewed every single year and I was in the elementary school and each year we were able to it was almost like you could see it physically clearly it was mentally this shift happening where the previous year we'd we'd write our essential questions we'd come back in and we go whoa we were way off with those boy those are those are not really getting into the conceptual level what we're trying to get across or they're not child-friendly. And then uh, when I say we, just as you said, uh, as an instructional technologist, I was there and the library media specialist was there and we, the two of us, represented our our gate team, our gifted and uh, talented team. Um, and so working in those meetings, it, w- it was just part of the process and it was expected for us to work with teachers to say, what are ways that we can bring in 21st century uh, learning skills and dealing with information literacy and other types of literacies 
that our kids need to get broadly just for our school learning outcomes because the school out learning outcomes are very, very similar to the uh, NETS, the new NETS for students. But they, um, they also, would the, the teachers would get the buy-in when they go, oh, those skills will help my kids reach these essential uh, understandings. And, yeah. and that's when we really got some buy-in. Yeah, that's good. And, and I think you're right that the the new standards coming from ISTE, you know, the new net standards, the way that they're written, I think really allows them to be at that level. You know, they're, they're written in a way that I think you could, if you were invited into that curriculum review, and I think that's something that we really need to start focusing on as people, is we need to be pushing in our schools that we are sitting in during the math review. We're sitting in during the you know social studies review of the curriculum, so that we can be a part of those conversations. And I think there's two levels there. You know, we can be there to help facilitate the learning around new skills and new 21st century literacies, but we can also be there to see how our teachers react to a new curriculum and how they view the curriculum. And then when it comes time to support those teachers, you know, that also gives us an insight to what they're looking at. And you know, I really think that's the le- level that we really need to start focusing on. Oh, definitely, definitely. And and a part of that that whole process, I, I remember my first year at this previous school and, and sitting down. And uh, when I, did, I was at grad school, um, we talked a lot about the, the work of Lynn E. Lynn Erickson in her concept-based approach towards uh, looking at student learning outcomes, and. It was an elementary school, and, and talking ab- about concepts where so much of the focus has to be on skills. How do you how do you read? How do you write? But also realizing that we also can be these teach these students can be learning uh, concepts at the same time. And we know that when we move into concepts, we're moving up higher on Bloom's taxonomy. So I remember that was part of the process. Just kind of. T- teaching the terminology and, and, and sitting around and forming our own learning uh, communities and breaking down, uh, uh, as Jay would say, breaking down the sta- or unpacking the standards and benchmarks and putting them into um, cross-discipline concepts that, can, that have real carryover from, from one discipline to another. And that's, that's, a, re- that's a process, and it takes a, a lot of learning on the uh, part of the teachers and so when I look back, uh, at really it was a five-year program for us um, to go from from where these teaching teams had just begin to begun to learn about teaming to just a year ago where we really had pretty well-developed uh, curriculum units that had um, the literacy skills and the technology skills embedded not just for the sake of putting them in there but as i mentioned before but they helped enhance the learning then that's when it became very powerful and i just would say um, as we bring in hopefully uh just regular classroom teachers and administrators that this is a it is a slow process but when you have good leadership when you have the it people in the library media and most importantly that building administrator is your instructional leader right. and your curriculum uh, coordinator who really is going to be the lead teacher teaching everyone about the process it does become your powerful mechanism for school shifting and I think you hit it right on the head Jeff yeah yeah I was looking through the notes 
earlier and I I wrote a couple bullet points about shift and why mm-hmm. shift. And, and I just said, you know, we have the technology. Where is the shift in teaching? And I think we're getting there. Uh, you know, I think, you, you know, you're talking about examples and uh, I write a lot about examples on the blog of mm-hmm. getting there with individual teachers, getting there with a specific teacher for a specific topic. But really trying to get a school to move is going to have to be something deeper. I mean, I think we all in the, you know, in the ed tech world, we have those we have those pods, right? You have this yes. teacher here and that teacher here, and you might have this group of teachers working on something, and you have that teacher over there that's connecting with another class. But I've yet to see a school that's really got it, you mm-hmm. know, and, uh, and I, I don't think we're going to get there until we get to that deeper pedagogical and uh, curricular level. Uh, one of the other bullets I said, I wrote was, uh, the world is becoming more connected. How does that shift the way we teach and the way our students learn? And I think that's something we're all still struggling with. You know, there are a lot of, there are a lot of a, um, projects now that are global in nature. And I get emails all the time from people who are saying, hey, I'd love to connect with a classroom. I'd love to do this. I'd love to do that. But trying to find a teacher that can fit in their curriculum where they're at and willing to take that risk to learn something new is something mm-hmm. they still struggle with. Yes. And I don't know, do you, do you feel that same way? I mean, do you see that same thing? Yes, very much so. Yeah. Um, it's it's for, for so many of us with our um, safety zones and what we're comfortable, le- comfortable with, um, it, it's not an easy task uh, moving an individual and when we talk about a whole school um, how, how, how does one go about that and I guess clearly that's what our podcast is all about and we're going to bring people on and uh, hopefully have enough stories that fit together that we can put together a, a, a process that people listen to and go okay all that put together uh, is, is really going to help me work in my school community to to make this shift, and and one of the things back to the why why are we making the shift um, in these connections that you talk about um, beyond just one school or one's country, when we just think of our brains as these natural networks of connectivity, and and that so often it's a smell that brings back a memory, and then that memory will key off and and bring back uh, another memory. Or that when we're we're talking to someone and someone shares some information and then that makes us think of something new and we have some true understanding going on, that's that's the beauty that of this networked world that we have now with all these Web 2.0 tools. Um, it, it it's it's like just it's taking our our singular brains and all that happens there and expanding them into a, a, a natural human-made uh, yeah. system. So it it. it it clearly makes sense when, if we were to try to talk to people about why make the shift. That's one of the reasons that I'd noted. Uh, what's something else that comes to mind for you, Jeff? Well, it's you know, it's been interesting uh, talking. You know, I was just down at Bangkok and they just had the uh, the first round of international hiring hiring fairs was down there and talking to the administrators down there around shift. And what I found is, and I wrote this as one of the bullet points to cover, is the way that we've made shifts in different places, but we haven't looked at the shift in our classroom. Mm-hmm. And for a perfect example, uh, you know, the use of Skype, which you and I are using right now for the podcast, has changed the way schools are recruiting. 
I talked to three different administrators uh, who did a significant amount of their hiring for their international openings at different international schools uh, via Skype, where they were Skype, you know, directly to somebody that was applying, or they Skype, or they did a video Skype into a classroom. And it was interesting because I'm sitting talking to these administrators and like, have you heard of this program Skype and how amazing this is and it allows you to go in and, you know, I talked to one administrator who had 17 job openings at his school and he had filled 15 of them before he got to the recruiting fair. Wow. And so, you know, how, how are these tools and, and allowing us to connect, shifting the way that recruiting is happening internationally? And for those of you that aren't international, just to give you the rundown, basically what happens is there are these, there are these, uh, what do you call them? Fairs, I guess. Yeah, uh, recruiting, recruiting fairs, fairs around the world. And uh, all the teachers that are recruiting go to a fair, and all the schools go to a fair, and it, it's expensive. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you've done it, David. I mean, it's yeah, a couple thousand times. dollars. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it, oh, it's. Yeah. It's expensive. And so if schools can find ways to use these new technologies and be able to connect to people and uh, and make that shift in the way we hire, why can't we be using these same schools, these same tools to make that shift in the classrooms? And yes. and that was the interesting piece is, is to sit here and see school heads and principals talk about it. And they're using Skype to connect at, a, at one level. And how does that affect or could they see that same thing happening in their classrooms? So it was cool on one level because I got to sit there with some heads and say, you know, and they're asking me, have you ever heard of Skype? And, and that's the most <laughs> wonderful thing in the world and it's free and, and this, that, yeah. and the other thing. And, uh, and, and, and But we're starting to make that shift. And, and if it's going to take the recruiting world to, to make that shift for some of our administrators, then so be it. <laughs> Yes, and, and that's when you, when you look at their world and what's most meaningful for them, that's probably their their biggest priority is hiring, as we always say, the right people. So if that, if that's where they're feeling the most pain, I, you know, I used to be, I guess I'm always a counselor, but was a guidance counselor. It's when we it's often where we're feeling the most pain that that we're willing to intervene and and try to make some changes when the pain gets too great. And they are there. If if you talk to to different heads as you've done just recently. There is a lot of pressure here internationally, uh, especially here in Asia, with a lot of these big name brand schools to to bring in the best people that that, that they can. And, and uh, for our folks from around the world, um, a lot of these uh, uh, very large Asian schools, very high pressure, um, but good pressure because you've got great support, wonderful children. Uh, it's a it's a wonderful opportunity to work, but the um, superintendents and the principals have to go out and find these people. But this, let me dovetail that into one of the, the more obvious reasons uh, we always talk about why shift when we talk about what is the world of our children. And if you go to a David Warlick presentation or a, one, of the, one of the other kind of leaders in educational technology that is around the world helping us, helping schools make the shift, they talk about sit down and ask your kids what, ha- what is their life like once they leave school. And then they're going to start sharing with you, whether it's the, the physical uh, machinery of a laptop or a UMPC or a MP3 player to the, the Web 2.0 tools that allow them to connect to their friends wherever they might be. It might just be a small town in Illinois. But <clears throat> that part of their world 
uh, is very different than when they walk into many of our classrooms. And so I, th- I think um, when we, we talk about being rel- uh, relevancy with our kids, we clearly want our, our classroom and our schools to be as comparable to what they experience outside of school as possible. And that kind of just leads us into these 21st century skills that we spoke about at the start, that a consortium of corporations in North America got together and said, here are the skills that we want uh, these students to have when they come to work for us. And uh, they tie in very nicely with the new NETs, or the NETs tie in, they came a little later, with them. And when you look at those those skills, we are, dis- we are discovering in the world field of educational technology that um, teaching information literacy, teaching how to uh, look at for bias and in information, looking how to generate and be creative uh, in producing a product that shares your learning, that definitely ties in to what the real world is going to be like when these young people are out looking for jobs. Yeah, excellent. And, and we talk about that all the time, right? That when mm-hmm. kids come to our schools, they have to disconnect. You know, <laughs> I think Warlick said it in his K-12 uh, online key, uh, pre-keynote. You know where he said that you know they come in and we cut off their we cut cut off their tentacles, you know <laughs> no longer allow them to be connected, and uh, and you're right. I mean schools we need to figure out a way to engage kids, to engage students with their tools, you know with the way they learn and they are learning. They learn with these tools on a daily basis, and how do we how do we engage kids with them? You know, and that's something that I work on with my teachers is, just, yeah, you can do the assignment this way, but if you do it that way, you're going to engage the kids. And once you engage the kids, learning happens. And we all know that, right? If you can get the kids engaged in something, the level of learning rises. And yes. so by using their tools, you know, by using their tools and, and being able to get them excited about things, uh, I think we are benefiting learning in that way. Let's go ahead and move on to our blog uh, our blog post for the week. Do you want to go first? Yes. And I, you know, I'll I'll just do a quick intro because you were you were right there behind this blog post. Uh the the blog is 21st Century Collaborative and it's um put forth by Cheryl uh, Nussbaum Beach and she was at the Learning 2.0 conference in Shanghai in the fall, and she also finds herself in Virginia at the College of William & Mary. That was one of the schools I attended when I was a young man. And um, she's quite a leader in the field of um, connecting to people and talking to them about making connections and building learning communities. And in this blog post, which is up on the Delicious account, um, she gets into defining what Learning 2.0 is and makes the connection to the school 2.0, the term that David Warlick is using, uh, what, it, what it looks like. And so much of it is, is about making connections uh, and building communities where it's not just the students, but the teachers are involved. And, and I think the dream for a lot of us is to get the parents involved as well. And beyond that, reaching out to subject matter experts and having discussions and uh, sharing ideas and coming to one's own understanding. You just you were just hitting on one of the reasons why we believe so much in shifting is it, it really helps build a deeper understanding. I think one of the biggest complaints about uh, American education is the old statement of that it's a mile 
wide and an inch deep. Right. And one of the things that I think Learning 2.0 helps us do, and I don't think anyone will, anyone will argue with this, it, it really helps us focus around back to these ideas of these concepts uh, that cross discipline that are you can carry across discipline, and they're they're com- they're very complex, and there's not always there's not a singular answer, but it's it's one's own understanding that comes around um, uh, whatever that concept is that you're studying. So that that is what Cheryl uh, put this post up and then what made it so powerful and this is back to the web 2.0 tool the nature of a blog is that there are comment after comment after comment of people coming in and giving their opinion of learning 2.0 but then also reacting to what the previous person wrote so it's just this ongoing uh, discussion yeah and you know uh, yeah that that blog post was was amazing by Cheryl and, and uh, she wrote that for our Learning 2.0 conference, and then she also posted it on her blog. And I think she even posted over at Tech Learning Blog because I know she writes as well. And uh, yeah, that blog post has got a lot of a lot of feedback. And on that note, I'll just plug the Learning 2.008 conference is uh, coming up next year, next uh, next September. Uh, I, I believe it's September 18th through the 20th. Uh, wow. For all of you out there, if you are in the international world, put that down on your calendar. There'll be more information coming. I see uh, Simon Mays in the chat room, and maybe he can throw the link up if he's listening and, and getting the audio. Otherwise, I'll throw it up later as part of our part of our show notes. Uh, the one blog post I wanted to talk about is uh, David Warlick and some of the things he's trying to work through on uh, School 2.0. You know, he's been going through. If you've been reading his blog lately. He's been trying to come up with a diagram that kind of explains this shift. And I don't get the diagram yet. <laughs> I've mm-hmm. uh, watched him go through the three different versions that he's on now. And uh, I'm still trying to decipher everything that he's that he's talking about here. And maybe in future shows we can have David on and, and he can explain this more. But it's good. You know, I, I, I'm... I've been focusing a lot on the use of images like this and, and how you can tie things together. And, and as an individual, you can uh, make those connections for yourself and create your own knowledge based on uh, the knowledge of other people. So if you haven't seen that, I suggest that you go over and spend some time just looking at that diagram and, uh, and trying to decipher what uh, David Buck's talking about and how all those lines come together and we start to make the shift. The school 2.0 still focused on uh, students and student learning, so that's my blog post for the week. Excellent. All right, um, I, I think you have already shared. Just trying to uh, carry some, uh, share some of the logistics of the show a little bit. You've shared where the uh, web page is for the show and where the show notes. Will go and as you mentioned, the delicious account. If you look uh, slash after delicious uh, slash SOS podcast, you can go in and access these links. The two there are a lot of links in there, but sp- the two specific blog posts of the week that we've covered. Yep, and uh, I've already put a link underneath the where the stream is. If you're listening to us live, there's a link there that says uh, 
I think, delicious posts for this podcast, and you could follow us along there. And uh, what we're really hoping is that people will join our delicious network and start sending us links around our essential questions. Uh, our next show will be January 24th at 7 p.m. Shanghai time. What is that same time for you? Yes, it is. Same okay. time. Okay, so we are on the same time zone. And uh, that's GMT18 uh, for if you're somewhere else in the world. So we'll be back then. And our essential question at that time that we'll be looking at is uh, how does making connections affect learning? And I'm really hoping we can get Julie Lindsay in on that one with her. You know, she's done the classroom project now a couple years and, uh, you know, the Horizon project that they've been involved in. And I think she'd be a great one to come in and talk about some of the connections that she's seen, you know, and how that's affecting learning for some of her students. And uh, hopefully we can get some people in down here and, and look at that. Fantastic. So, so that's our next one, and uh, I I think that's it for this episode. It, you know, it looks like we're having a little bit of audio problem uh, with UStream, and we'll try to figure that out for the twenty fourth and see how that works. And do you have anything else to add, Dave? No, Jeff. It's been a pleasure. I'm excited about where we're headed, and as I mentioned earlier, I'm one of the things I'm going to be doing uh, in the next couple of days is sending out an email to all the IRCOS administrator. IRCOS, that's the uh, acronym for our grouping of schools in Asia. Jeff gave uh, a few presentations, quite a few presentations, to thousands and thousands of of administrators. And where were you? Was it KL? Where were you? Yeah, that was for KL. That conference? Yeah, yeah. And we really want to follow up because uh, I think well, I don't think. I'm sure Jeff got a lot of people thinking, and we want to uh, bring those administrators in and let them connect to this community that we're building. And also um, want to reach out to as, as many classroom teachers as we can. Uh, Jeff and I, as an educational or instructional technologist, we really work from the needs of the teachers and the students. And the more that we can bring in the the people that are in the classrooms with the students and help them join or get them to join in our discussion and share where they're coming from and and um, learn together. That really gets me really excited. Yeah, it should be great. Um, and Winton, real quick, in the uh, in the chat, reminded me that we didn't talk about where you can find this show. So you can listen to it live on uh, thethinkingstick.com slash on deck. And after each show is over, I'll go back and uh, edit the audio a little bit. And we will be posting an uh, MP3 file in that exact same place. So we'll take down the Ustream stuff and then replace it with the MP3 file. And uh, if you go to the blog up in the left-hand corner, you'll see a, a link to iTunes. And we are on iTunes, so you can add us to your, your iTunes feed and listen to us on uh, your iPod on the way to work. So we're trying to make this as uh, available to as many people as we can in many different formats. And so that's that. So, All right, Dave. Well, thank you for our first episode. And I look forward to seeing you again in a, another week or so. And uh, yeah. until then, uh, all you educators out there, let's try and shift those schools. Yeah.